Hi folks, I'm Lindsay Ray, otherwise known as UK Bid Writer. SMEs need to approach tendering for public or private sector commercial contracts in a different way to larger organisations. To really stand out from the competition and show off what makes your business the best choice for that contract, you need a specialist in SME tendering. In each episode of the UK Bid Writer podcast, I'll give you practical and effective tried and tested information and advice on bid writing and bid management to help you win more tenders. Today I'm going to talk about what social value is and how smaller businesses in particular often have the edge over the bigger players when it comes to this important aspect of tendering. Okay, way back in January 2020, in what unexpectedly turned out to be the last episode of Series 1, we covered how to break down a question and turn the resulting bits and bobs into a solid structure you can use to build your answer. And we also talked a bit about word limits and how they can actually give you a pretty good idea of what the buying organisation is expecting in terms of content. Now, I was going to go into more detail on both of those in this episode, But I think that actually that last one covers it quite nicely for now, and we might get back into that at some point. Presumably you'll all be clamouring for that. And I also promised a swear-filled rant about the state of procurement in the UK for episode one of this season. But you know what? I'm too angry to even get into that right now. Honestly, I'm really just too furious to talk about it just yet. Instead, today, because it's one of my favourite subjects and because it seems to come up a lot, I'm going to talk about social value, what it is, and how you can bring bucket loads of social value to a contract just by being you. So the Social Value Act was introduced in early 2013 and after a quiet start, eventually more and more tenders started to ask bidders how their business provides or helps to improve social value in their area. I wrote my original post about social value way back in 2016 and to be honest at the time I was expecting it to be just another of the various trends you see in tendering. For a couple of years it's environmental sustainability, another couple of years it's business continuity and on and on. Whatever the trend is, there's usually a spike of interest and then everyone calms down and eventually it becomes just another standard bit of the tender questionnaire. However, more than half a decade later, social value is still one of the hottest of topics. And as we start to emerge slash recover slash rebuild ourselves after the last few years, I'm seeing more and more complex and sometimes honestly baffling approaches to generating social value through tendered public sector contracts. I think what's kept it in budget holders' minds is partly to do with the many years of austerity measures we've been subject to, as well as a general mistrust by local government over broader government priorities. A lot of councils and other public sector bodies have seen their budgets absolutely annihilated, while at the same time they've been expected to do even more, not just to keep their regions head above water, but to regenerate and develop as well. And one of the ways to assist that is to have suppliers take on a slice of the responsibility. I'll be honest and say that some tenders are taking that a little too far, and go and have a mooch through my Twitter rants if you want to know more about that. Anyway, whatever underscores it, it looks like it's here to stay. In which case, a cautious yippee, Uh, anything that can give smaller businesses an advantage over bigger organisations is very welcome, but also a wary hmm, given these current slightly shiftier times. Right, let's get into it. What is social value? Social Enterprise UK originally defined it rather neatly as looking at what the collective benefit to a community is when a public body chooses to award a contract. 
Now, their guide at the time was aimed at social enterprises specifically, but social value is equally applicable to businesses and organisations that aren't officially social enterprises. Frankly, we could do with spray painting that description on the sides of the Houses of Parliament right now. Anyway, while social value is important on a large scale, frequently it refers to local considerations, especially in tenders that are being run by local authorities. Generally, social value is about developing, improving and sustaining four key things. One, the local economy. Two, local employment opportunities. Three, the local environment. And four, the local community. As a bidder, you must prove that how you do business has a positive impact on the local, social and economic value of your area. Uh, Just a little aside, economic value is a crucial element of social value. You can maintain a certain amount of social opportunity in areas with a limited economy, but it's bloody hard. Economically deprived areas struggle the most to develop and sustain social value. So how can social value give smaller companies the edge? When it comes to goods or services that are relatively comparable across the board, think the supply of services of a similar quality or widgets at a similar price within similar timescales, one of the ways contracted organisations can decide on who to award a contract to is by identifying how much social value each bidder can offer to the local area. This is a valid benchmark because apart from getting the best value in terms of actual cost, publicly funded contracting authorities also have those wider goals to meet that I mentioned earlier those aims and objectives that benefit the communities they serve on a wider scale. This is also one of the key ways even the smallest of businesses can knock out the so-called major players and win contracts, even where their price is lower than yours. Another little aside here, look, you all know by now just how white-hot, fire-spittingly furious I am at the way procurement has been and continues to be handled by our government throughout their response to COVID. They've been handing contracts to companies so small and unestablished you'd need a microscope to see them while touting costs far in excess of normal market prices. So I know the issue isn't just David versus Goliath, it's also David versus the Wizard of Oz. But let's suspend our ire for a moment and try to live in hope that at some point consequences will be forthcoming and fairness will be re-established. So let's say you are a smallish family-run business established for a few years providing services or goods locally. This is what you've got. A. A track record of hiring locally. You actively seek local people to work in your firm. You train them to do their jobs. You promote from within, keeping your employees' knowledge and experience within your company. Perhaps you offer apprenticeship opportunities or work experience for local school kids. B. A local supply chain. You buy from local independent suppliers. You buy from local branches of national suppliers. C. Local knowledge and community standing. The end users of your goods and services know who you are. You know your local area, including its good and not so good points. Perhaps you're influential within a local business association. Maybe you sponsor your local sports team. Maybe you run charity days for local causes. And D, a low carbon footprint. Possibly most of the travel your staff do during work hours is within the local area. Some of your staff might walk, run, cycle or car share to work and back and you maintain a minimal fleet of the right vehicles for the job you do. Now, all of this is stuff that you do just because it helps your business remain in business. It makes economic sense for you to keep your fuel costs down, to hire locally, to develop relationships with local suppliers, to maintain your firm's reputation and promote your business. But in terms of social value, the ripples of what you're doing go so much further. For example, 
By using local suppliers, you're also helping them employ local people and, certainly with independent suppliers, you're keeping the money you spend with them within your local economy. By offering work and training to local people, you're helping people stay in the area, send their kids to local schools, use the local libraries and health services and spend their money locally. By sponsoring local teams or contributing to charities or local causes, you're helping to maintain community bonds and local pride. And through your ties to local business associations, you're helping other local businesses succeed, which in turn spreads ripples of its own. Your bigger competitors will have to work very, very hard to beat or replicate all of this. As much as they can throw money at carbon offsetting and as much as they can promise to hire people locally, they'd need to do that from scratch. They'd need to learn about the local social and economic landscape and try to put in ideas and initiatives that might or might not work. You are already doing it. So what else can you do that the big boys can't? Well, contracting authorities want to work with people and businesses who can help them meet their aims and objectives. And where social value is a key goal, you can afford to be honest. Many tenders will ask you to make commitments to take on a certain number of staff or want you to advertise any future employment opportunities you might have in a way that opens them up to local residents who are struggling with unemployment. Your bigger competitors will just say, yeah, 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 and make commitments that might not hold up to reality. But you, knowing what you do know about your community, can establish in your tender response what you know of the current situation and how those factors affect the commitments you make. You can suggest realistic numbers, and sometimes realistic means zero. But if that is the case, you can suggest alternative ways you might help the contracting authority meet their goals. You can be open. You're in a good position to offer your years of experience and knowledge to the contracting authority. By looking beyond the goods and services your company provides and by understanding how your business directly or indirectly affects the local social and economic situation, you can seek to develop stronger relationships with the council, the local housing association, the organisations that offer support to job seekers and all the other publicly funded organisations in your area. This will give you a reputation for genuinely being committed to the development, improvement and sustainability of the local area, rather than just giving it lip service to win a contract. You can be genuinely enthusiastic. If you can prove that the way you do business directly and positively affects your local area, you can shout it from the rooftops or write it down in your tender. Bigger competitors might have a page worth of population stats and a nice theoretical solution to all of the supposed issues within your region that they've been able to Google, but you have the evidence of your impact on the actual issues right there in your back pocket. You can list how many local people you've taken on over the years, what training they've had, how they've progressed and what their roles are now. You can state how much money you keep circulating in your local area just by doing things the way that you do. You can get testimonials from people you sponsor and the organisations you support. You can draw up a like-for-like -like comparison between your carbon footprint and that of your main national competitor. And at least another handful of really impressive ways of contributing. The bottom line is that social value is built in to many small businesses and we should use it to win more contracts. Not just because we want to build our own businesses, but also because we, our staff and our communities get the benefit of the social value we offer too. And if that's not a good enough reason to kick those corporations where it hurts, I don't know what is. That's all for today. Many thanks for joining me for this episode of the UK Bidwriter Podcast. 
Make sure to visit my website at ukbidwriter.com and subscribe to the show so you never miss a trick. And you can now find me on YouTube where each episode is supported by accurate closed captions. Pop over there, let me know what other stuff you'd like to see from UK Bidwriter on the podcast or beyond. There are links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you give it a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, or just tell a friend or a colleague and spread the word. Don't forget, you can also contact me directly to talk about what your business needs most to win more contracts by emailing me at lindsay at ukbidwriter.com or to find me on the usual social channels, just search for UK Bidwriter. You've been listening to Lindsay Ray, otherwise known as UK Bidwriter, offering specialist expertise for UK SMEs. It's good to be back. See you next time.